I am just waiting for something to go terribly wrong. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Russo and... Tiffany Silverbron. Hey, Tiff. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing much. Still I got a house. <laughs> I know. That's a, that's a process, right? Yeah. How's everything going with it? Um, just slow. Just keep having to order stuff online and waiting for packages. <laughs> Are you like all moved in though and everything? Um, kind of. We have, uh, you know, two storage places actually. So we're trying to like get those moved here. Depending on what you're unpacking, it's like Christmas, depending on what <laughs> it is, you know? I know. <laughs> Especially when you get into your toys and stuff. It's like, I yep. forgot I had this. I know. It's the best. <laughs> That's always fun. Add a little bit. So I know I said, you know, things go terribly wrong, but you know what's great? We're finally done with Boom. We've put dangerous currency behind us, thank goodness. And we are finally starting with Joe Bucks. Yeah. Excited? Yep. Yay. Uh, this is where things get really good. Yep. It gets really good. It's. Now we have Aaron Sparrow and James Silvani doing the story, and they really know Darkwing Duck. They absolutely do. And, you know, we'll go into it as we go, but these guys know how the characters are supposed to talk. They know how they're supposed to act. There's none of this fangirl stuff that we had to deal with with uh, Boom. It's, It's exciting. We've been looking forward to this for a while. And uh, so today we're talking about issue one of Joe Book's Darkwing Duck, Orange is the New Purple, part one, which was published October 2016. Uh, But before we start talking about the comic, um, Tiff, have you watched anything new lately? Um, Yeah, a few things. Um, Like what? I watched uh, Multiverse of Madness. (laughs) Ah, me too. Did you like it? (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. So that's a fun movie. Not one I'd show to Helena yet. (laughs) She can deal with some of them. I mean, she watched No Way Home a few months ago, and she did like that. Not this one, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm also a big Sam Raimi fan, so of course I was going to like it. (laughs) Yeah, you can definitely see him all over this movie. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not going to spoil anything, but... Some of the stuff that makes it clear it's his movie are pretty big spoilers, so we can't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, so do you like Doctor Strange? How do you feel about him as a character? Yeah, I love Doctor Strange. He's like one of my favorites in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I yeah, love he's ben great. Cumberbatch, too. He really, he's he's like, basically, he, I, I feel like now that the original Avengers team is gone in one way or another, save Thor, I feel like he's kind of holding this all together. Yeah. At least for now. Um, I also really enjoy Wanda. I do like her a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of hate Wanda now. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, I, we can't I talk too much it about it because it's a spoiler, but still. I know. Well, I mean, even before this movie. <laughs> I don't have too much of my own history with her because obviously I don't read the comics. I just basically know about her through these films. 
So since I'm kind of ignorant in that regard, I'm kind of cool with the character. So I, your your position is probably different than mine, though. I I also am. This is like you know this happens at the beginning of the movie, so I don't think this qualifies as as a spoiler. Right. But it has um, one of my favorite characters to um, comic Marvel comic characters now. That they that finally got their cinematic debut, and that's um, America Chavez. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> well, she's clearly being set up for a much bigger role down the line. Yeah, and I I was like a hundred percent like I remember like hearing that she was gonna be in it a while ago, and I was like, oh, please don't mess this up. And I think the actress was like perfect. She was great. It was awesome. How do you feel about this movie being so tied to WandaVision? Do you think that kind of specificity to stuff that's like on Disney Plus is good for this franchise or not as good? I mean, it's I kind of have a mixed opinion of it because like WandaVision I watched. So same here. I didn't I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because it's referencing stuff that i know about but you know i didn't watch um falcon and the winter soldier so like i guess if i saw a movie and it was referencing that it would kind of bother me or even like you know oh i want to see this movie and then it's like no way you have to watch this entire show that would kind of bother me i guess so Could it's you, hard to I, yeah i can imagine going into this film not having seen wandavision and having any idea what the hell wanda's doing yeah Totally. <laughs> like she has kids and like, why is there another Wanda? They keep mentioning Westview. What yeah. did I miss? Yeah. Although, you know, this might be spoiler territory, but if Wanda could go to any other universe to find her kids, there's gotta be a vision on some other universe, right? Or well, her bro or her brother. If there's other things that are confusing about that too, which I don't know. Should we just say like spoilers starting right now? <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Start. Stop listening right now for a minute or two. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, this thing's been out for a couple of months. If you yeah. haven't seen it, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, where do the kids come from if there's no vision? Isn't that like the whole point? Like right. So I mean, it's confusing. <laughs> Those kids were terrible actors. <laughs> yeah. When they were singing the ice cream song, I was like, <laughs> is this supposed to be an extension of like the sitcom corniness from the show or are they just bad actors? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I, I love, yeah, all the Evil Dead references were great. I well, love. Especially love the hot dog vendor. Yeah, I love the Bruce Campbell reference to Evil Dead 2. <laughs> what do you think of the music note fight? The what? The music note fight. Oh, I liked it. I thought that it was, was That was cool. I enjoyed that as well. It's it'll be interesting to see where Strange goes from here. Although I think it might be a while before we see him again because we've seen a lot of him recently. They they got they kind of got to give him a rest for a bit, but they've introduced so many other elements of things we've wanted in the MCU for a long time that hopefully when they introduce them proper, they do them right. That I won't spoil, but I'm sure you know what I I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 
yeah, I hope they do them right. Because there's at least one character. When he showed up, me and my wife were like, yay, look yeah. at him. But um, <laughs> she's like, did you hear that? That's the theme song. I know. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, but not like the theme song you would expect. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. Um, okay, so moving on from this one, um, I know we both also saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2 recently. Yep. How was that? How did you enjoy that one? I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't like hate it, but like, I don't know. It just seemed like it was going through the motions of like a blockbuster movie. Well, I like the first one. It's, it's a stupid kids movie. Yeah. It's really all it is. I definitely like, you know, go into it thinking that. I'm not expecting it to be like a masterpiece, but. I mean, the first one, I was going into it that way, thinking it was going to be a kid's movie. And there's definitely, like, you know, flossing and, like, all these, like, you know, kid references that aren't, you know, my generation's thing. And it was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. This one, though, it was just, like, it was dragging a lot some places for me. See, I didn't see the first one. So mm. But this one was fine because, again, I went into it as it being a stupid kids movie and I found it enjoyable for what it was. I mean, here's the thing. I am not very passionate about Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, I'm more of a Mario guy, which is why Illumination of all studios getting a hold of Mario is super scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because Illumination kind of sucks. Um, and I'm not going to make apologies for that. They're a really bad, they're a very, really bad lowest common denominator studio. So I don't know how they're going to do Mario, but Sonic I'm not passionate about. So I'm just kind of, I didn't mind what they did. I, I mean, this, this one definitely had more stuff for Sonic fans. I, I was a big Sonic game person, but I know that like most of the appeal to Sonic is that show that was out in the nineties. And that was definitely after my time. So, Oh, the, uh, the cartoon. Yeah. The, um, the Saturday morning one that was really popular. Yeah. Oh, like two episodes of that in my life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think it was a little bit too serious and dramatic for me. Um, I was more in line with like the stupid uh, weekday afternoon one they had, the weekday morning one, like the very cartoony one. That was more something I would have enjoyed, but I still didn't watch that either. But I enjoyed it. Again, it was dumb. I think if any other actor but Jim Carrey was playing the same character the, the same way, it would have been unbearable. <laughs> yeah, he was great. <laughs> um, I don't. It, I had a very hard time relaxing with Ben Schwartz as Sonic because <laughs> I'm so used to that voice everywhere for everything. I can't identify the voice as Sonic because I hear it. I think yeah. Dewey from DuckTales. Yeah, it's so quippy. It's so quippy. It just it, it I couldn't I couldn't settle in with it. Yeah. I I do I did really enjoy Idris Elba as Knuckles. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the <laughs> fact that he was very socially awkward about basic conventions of our world Baseball. like just <laughs> Yeah. That was funny. I think they struck gold with that character. I think he he really made a lot of that work. I didn't even mind Tails. I just have a hard time with Sonic himself, but I guess he's the main character, so that does kind of hurt. <laughs> but with yeah, Carrie I mean, having... Was, Go ahead. The, I thought the animation was good. 
I I really am so glad they changed how those characters looked. <laughs> ugly Sonic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I do, <laughs> ugly Sonic goes slow. <laughs> Um, but I have to say with Ka- Jim Carrey having retired and then definitely making a third one, I would love to see Dr. Robotnik now look exactly like the cartoons or the, or the show with an egg shaped body and a deep yeah. Jim Cummings voice. <laughs> like Cause that's that. who voiced him in the cartoon. That was Cummings. So yeah. if Carrie's not going to do it. Uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> or just go full CGI with him. Like, he totally screwed himself up. Yeah, and he's, like, yeah, full-on Robotnik. <laughs> yeah, but we got a couple of years before that one. Um, the last movie I saw recently you didn't see, although I know you're a fan of the show, was um, Bob's Burgers. We went to see that. Yeah. Um, that was so much fun. Um, the caveat is that if you're not a fan of the show, you're not going to enjoy it. um like you can go into the south park movie not having watched south park and still totally get everything out of that um but not bob's burgers i think you really have to be a fan except the fact that the characters sing know their quirks going in um which makes the movie a hard sell to everybody but fans but luckily the show has a very dedicated fan base yeah um, do you have any favorite characters on Bob's Burgers? Um, hmm. Probably Louise. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and she's a major character in this movie. Nice. Um, and I always like the fish odors. Uh, <laughs> and they're major characters in this, too. <laughs> and, of course, Teddy. He's such a Muppet. Yeah, I, and I mean, Tina can't go wrong with her either. You know what? They're all great. The show, regular size Rudy is great. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're all great. And it's just, it's a show that, unlike The Simpsons, it's been on for a long time, but it's still good. Um, it hasn't dipped in quality. There are episodes that are better than others, but it's still watchable. And I really appreciate yeah. that. I just hope it ends before it does get bad, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's our discussion. It's funny, besides Sonic, everything we're talking about is Disney owned in some way now. <laughs> Crazy. Like you wouldn't have thought Bob's Burgers just a few years ago was a Disney show, and now it is. Yeah. Okay, so part one of Orange is a new purple. Unlike Boom, we only have one cover per issue. Uh Tiffany, what is our cover? So it's Kind of like a comic book page style in the background. Um, it's got like aqua and red tones. You see Goslin, Bushroot, um, Quacker Jack and Mr. Banana Brain, um, Negaduck, Liquidator in a Bowl, <laughs> um, Megavolt hugging a toaster, and Honker with an inhaler. And in the front swinging in on a rope is Darkwing in full color. I do really like a liquidator in a bowl. That's <laughs> funny. I don't remember Honker ever needing an inhaler yeah. before. I mean, but I can see it. <laughs> but it's fine. He's He's got that nasally voice. I can see him using an inhaler. He probably has asthma. <laughs> and Megavolt hugging a toaster. That works. Gosling with her hockey stick. 
Yeah. Although this teases Quacker Jack, but he's not in this. Yeah. He's not in this, and he won't be. He gets the briefest of cameos in the last issue. Otherwise, he's not in this, and that's really a shame. But huh, I'm not the biggest Quacker Jack fanboy, which <laughs> doesn't bother me that much, but I wish he was in this. Um, but anyway, this is a great issue. Why don't we start talking about it? One thing I'll point out is, starting with Joe Books, uh, Silvani's not doing background references anymore. I don't know the story with that, but it definitely makes our job easier. <laughs> um, in place of that, though, is an amazing character-specific dialogue where when I hear it, when I read it, I mean, I can hear it in my head, all of it. And that's where these comics shine. You don't need funny background references for all this stuff to be amazing. So that said, uh, Tiffany, how does our story start? So it starts with the view of St. Canard and you hear Dip Dobson reporting. <laughs> Why some... is this not Tom Lockjaw? <laughs> and uh, he's saying that there's a St. Canard... Um, May, annual Main Street lit up electrical parade. Like I wonder what this is referencing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why they couldn't have just said Main Street electrical parade. <laughs> um, I, although I think lit up electrical parade is kind of funny too, though. Because it's so clunky <laughs> yeah. and stupid. Yeah. And um, you see some lights approaching through a tunnel. Like it's the start of the, of the parade, but he realizes it's moving super fast and then you get a nice two-page art panel and you see that it's um, Megavolt now controlling one of the parade floats zooming in with Darkwing and Launchpad at the front. I love that Megavolt is holding a whole bunch of power strips in his yeah. hands. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were remote controlled at first, but yeah, power strips. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> they're definitely power strips. Um, we do get actually one reference. There's a signpost on the right-hand side of this big panel that says Zaslav and Stone. Yeah. So we know who both of those are. Basically, <laughs> Darkwing's father is pretty much. Yeah. Okay, and so... Starduck's cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in the first page, this hits us over the head over with the fact that this is the same universe as the, the boom issues. There's still a quack works, although that's very downplayed here. Probably for the better, I think. I think I'm a little over quack works at this point. Yeah. We, we, that was basically shoved down our throat all through boom. I'm, I'm glad it's gone. Um, one thing Darkwing does a lot more here than he ever did in boom is um, alliteration. Um, get ready for a ton of that. In fact, Darkwing's very first line is, it's that marauding miscreant Megavolt manipulating this mechanical menace. And uh, again, there's a lot of that here, but you know what? It's true to Darkwing, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yep. So what happens next, Steph? So Megavolt says that he's um, trying to liberate all the parade floats. That's so Megavolt. I can hear his voice. And um, says, ooh, I wonder if they'll give me a parade. <laughs> I love that, too. And um, 
you see uh, Darkwing, he takes a, or wait, wait, what happens? They notice a fountain, so Darkwing yeah, takes yeah. the gas um, gun. Notices a fountain and um, uses his gas gun to direct the, pl- the parade float towards the fountain, thus shorting out the float and Megable at the same time. And then Darkwing says something, for some reason, he never, ever said in Boom Comics. He goes, yep, yep, yep. Which... And that's... so welcome. <laughs> yeah, like, that's Darkwing Duck. Like, yep, 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 yep. <sighs> he finally <laughs> says it. Like, it took how many issues? Yeah, seriously. Then we get some fun, like, DuckTales and Darkwing references, mainly DuckTales, when Launchpad pulls out a book, crossing off things he has crashed in his His, lifetime. His crash bucket list. His crash bucket list, yeah. Among them is the Gizmo Duck suit, which isn't checked off, but we know he's crashed that thing. Um, What was the episode name? Um, A Case of Mistaken Secret Identity. Another one is the dirigible. That's from the DuckTales episode, um, the Uncrashable Hinden Tannic. One of the very best DuckTales episodes. I highly recommend it. Also, the city, which refers to St. Canard when he was mayor for all of 10 seconds. (laughs) The other one he did not cross off is the money bin, and he did crash that in Super DuckTales. I think he (laughs) crashed it twice. Because I know the the first episode in Liquid Assets... He was driving it on a flatbed and drove it through a shopping mall. Uh, Those sissies never saw a shopping mall collapse before. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm okay. And then he dropped it from the spaceship and it crashed into Duckburg. So he's crashed that thing twice. Yeah. So Darkwing's good mood is ruined when he discovers he has to have dinner where? With the Muddlefoots. <laughs> and this is our most substantial time spent with them in the comics so far. And Herb sounds like Herb. Binky sounds like Binky. The comic is stopping just for Muddlefoot gags. Yeah. And it so needs it. And like you said, it's so welcome. Yeah. Just to have a breathable moment in the comic where we can just enjoy it. We're not speeding through exposition. We're just having fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much to say about most of this. Um, again, Binky sounds great. I mean, her first line of dialogue is, goodness, Drake, are you sure Goslin is eating enough? That is so Binky. Yeah, you can, like, 100% hear her. It's just, yep. like, watching the show again. And you got Tank trying to use Honker as a lawn dart. So she's like, now, Tank, dear, what did we say about using your brother as a lawn dart? (laughs) And even she's like, boys, such a handful. But I guess you wouldn't know about that. (laughs) And again, that's I can hear Susan Tolsky's meddling voice in every word of that dialogue. And even like it's like they kind of updated it with like the type of food that Herb's cooking is like more of like they wouldn't have said you know, it's like tofu. tofu tofu, and blue cheese. And you wouldn't really have that in the 90s. But it, like, makes sense. But it's not, like, out of place. Any of Binky it. still dresses as a 1950s housewife, though. Yeah. And Herb's then, wearing a different Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And then when they're watching, they go, you know, inside to, like, watch TV. And they don't watch Pelican's Island. 
but <laughs> it still makes sense for something Herb would watch, which is Cluck Dynasty. <laughs> and he mentions DVR. Yep. Yeah. And which, I mean, this was 2016. I think by now he would have said it was streaming. Yeah. Because I don't know anybody who actually uses DVR. I mean, you, I do, but I'm one of the only people that has cable left. <laughs> ah, see, yeah, we, we cut that cord a long time ago. Which I pretty much only use to DVR Spenguli. <laughs> Spenguli is very good. Um, see, the dialogue is so great. Even when it isn't written perfectly how a character would say it, I still hear it. There's a moment when Drake is like, with my work schedule and TV night being only Monday through Saturday, and Silvani <laughs> writes, and alternating Sundays, but I can hear Jim saying, and alternating Sundays. Yeah. You know, I can hear it. It doesn't matter if it's not written perfectly. The situation is so perfect. I hear every nuance of Cummings' voice in all oh, of that dialogue. And yeah. then Drake pays Tank to go cut the cut the power on top of the house on the roof, which is <laughs> yeah. a great little Tank joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we get a bit with Megavolt that foreshadows a villain coming back. What happens in this next quick little scene? So you see Megavolt getting carted away into the police truck. And um, you see one of the police men has a giant mallet and knocks out the other one. And you see a shadow on Megavolt's glasses. You don't see who it is, but you see that it's a villain that's bailing him out, basically. The villain also does call him Sparky. And the fact that Megavolt is very shocked that he's there should be a huge tip off of who this character is. Also, he's on the cover. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, The next scene I don't understand, it seems like it was meant to set something up in this comic in general that doesn't pay off because the next scene is set on a shush satellite headquarters that used to be Taurus Bulba's designed to fight against extraterrestrial and domestic threats. It really doesn't go anywhere except for a joke about Launchpad and Goslin firing real lasers at meteors. <laughs> it does yeah. give us Grizzly Cough for the first time in this comic and some good dialogue from Hooter that sounds exactly like Hooter. Yep. <laughs> I have a complaint. We're introduced to a female shush scientist who, for some reason, is not Sarah Bellum. Yeah. Desiree Bell. I don't understand why it's not Sarah Bellum. I'm sure they had a reason. But as quick as the scene starts, we switch over to the Mallard House for another quick scene. Uh, where Goslin uh, mentions that she needs Drake to sign her permission slip because they're going to the ribbon cutting of the St. Canard Maximum Security Penitentiary. <laughs> Darkwing yeah. isn't mad because she's going there. He's mad because he wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah, he thought he should be cutting the ribbon because he put all of the villains in there in the first place. And then Goslin goes, and I know how the story ends. <laughs> Again, Goslin, I think, is a difficult character to write for, but I hear Christine Kavanaugh dripping off everything here. Yep. And there's a great joke where she tells Launchpad to keep Dad out of trouble. And then Launchpad goes, wait, what? When there's trouble, I think I'm supposed to call DW. 
And then Drake goes, it's in my theme song and everything. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Super meta. So Drake decides they're going there anyway. And, okay, so now we get this fun scene that's meant to basically reacquaint us with a whole bunch of Darkwing villains, which is great for com- someone coming into this completely blind, basically. Not us. We know all these guys. But I can imagine this helps out someone who doesn't know any what's going on here. Um, well, so first, Gosling- I want to say when they go to the they go on a boat to the prison and it says grand opening and it says try our new bagel dogs. Ah, right. Yes, continue. So Goslin's school is there, which includes her honker and Mortimer, you know the ex cat tankeress, um, who's really into villains. So the warden takes the kids right into general population where they can actually get up close and personal with the villains, which is not very smart, as we'll see. (laughs) But then again, the warden's name is Warden Dullard. So (laughs) that pretty much tells you all you need to know. So one by one, we are introduced or reintroduced to a whole bunch of Darkwing villains. Uh, Who do we meet first, Tiff? Liquidator, yay! But there is something we can nitpick. And, um, yeah, well, one, I'll say the positive first. I love him in this glass prison cell. I could, like, hear and see him sloshing around in there all angry, staring at them with that face. It's, like, such an expressive drawing. <laughs> That's the positive. Yeah. Uh, Mortimer says that the database he's reading off of his iPad says... The liquidator fell into his own contaminated vat of cuckoo fizzy water. That wasn't Bud Flood's brand. Yep, that was Flood's... contaminating. He wouldn't yes. contaminate his own water. Ah, <laughs> uh, someone wasn't doing their homework. Come on, it's Dry Hard, one of the best episodes. And they spelled cuckoo cola with a K. I mean, cuckoo fizzy water with a K. <laughs> Should be C's, right? Yeah. So next up, we see a character we have not seen since the show ended. Uh, Are you who do we? I'm so excited. She's my favorite character. Um, it's Isis Vanderchill. Um, still frozen solid from her one and only fight with Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Um, and he don't even mentions she's a lesser known member of the Rogues Gallery. Yeah. Great drawing of her though. Yeah. Like really, really great. And then who do we get? And we get Camille, and she's um, being kept docile by um, the cold air from Isis because she's cold-blooded. So she's that makes sense. Like an adorable little lizard. <laughs> then we get a character that I like the more I watched him when me and Will watched uh, Mutant Seal and the Bouncy. I really got into Cement Head. <laughs> I think he's very funny. I think he's a great villain, very underused. But when they walk past him, he says, I like your moxie, kid. I ever tell you that? Just like the show. <laughs> so good. I love but I that. feel like a novice Darkwing fan or someone who's like not really that into the show wouldn't remember this character and definitely wouldn't remember what he says, what his catchphrase yeah. is. <laughs> it speaks to how passionate Sparrow and Silvani are that he's even here. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, next up, Tiffany, take this one. <laughs> All right. So next, you see a character called Muck Duck, 
who is basically just living just pure garbage and it's like you know a glass cell with just dirt and banana peels and fish bones and stuff like that and I'm not sure this is like a character that's introduced in the comics and I'm not sure if this is a reference to the office or not which um there was a episode where Dwight says um that R is the most menacing letter in the alphabet that's why it's called murder and not muck duck. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's what they're referencing. <laughs> then we move on to one shot. Uh, so yes, the Boom Comics original ca- villains will be here as well. Um, so Mortimer mentions he never, th- he could never throw the same thing twice, and then Goslin says he sure threw a tantrum more than once. <laughs> and which villain? Are we hinted at in the next panel? I'm guessing Fluffy. <laughs> yes. How would we know this? <laughs> There's a scratching post and a giant ball of yarn. Yeah, so Fluffy is going to come into play. Uh, not in this issue, but he will come back. And then the final panel, uh, they see Bushroot, who has definitely seen better days. And just like the Liquidator one, this drawing is like so great. He just looks like so defeated and upset and his arms are crossed, but then all the vines are reaching out all over the walls of the cell. I, I do think it's a really interesting dramatic take on him, which I don't think quite gels with the show, but it's still really good. I think if this was more in tune with the show, he'd be like, gotta let me out of here. I'm getting leaf lice or something like that. Like he'd be more panicked. He'd be more like nerdy and like in a real (laughs) anxiety frenzy here. It's more like emo Bushru. Who's just letting himself (laughs) grow out of control, which is cool. Yeah. They seem to have taken a new take on Bushru where he's got longer vine arms and is a bit more threatening, which is fine. I'll accept that more than zombie bushroot from DuckTales. Um, but it's interesting that I think the cartoon bushroot would be a little bit more having anxiety attacks over this, but it's fine. Um, then they wheel in Megavolt. And what happens next, Tiff? So then um, Goslin notices that... Um... Wait, is it Goslin? Yeah. Wait, is it Goslin? Mortimer notices that one guard looks familiar. Mortimer notices that one of the guards looks familiar. And you see him, like, lift up his visor. And you see a very familiar beak with sharp teeth. And you pretty much know who it is. And he pulls all of his um, police gear off. And it is Negaduck, of course. So going into this, before we recorded, I talked about how hard it used to be for me to hear Negaduck's voice in my head. I would hear it too deep, too threatening, and I kind of had to reprogram myself. Because Negaduck could be very funny just in how he would talk. And I think if you don't write him correctly, he's the hardest character to hear in your head. But they're very smart about his dialogue. They're bolding certain words that he says so that in your mind... You are emphasizing it. So he says, St. Canard has no future. Not so long as I'm around. 
and yep. just the words being bolded, you now hear Jim plain as day doing Negaduck's voice in your head. And that was very hard in the Boom comics, but it's plain as day here. He roundhouse kicks three different guards and he says, <laughs> well, really, who else would it be? Because he bolds the word else. And it's perfect. He grabs his chainsaw, cuts open the podium and says, let's remind the stinking city who's public enemy number one. And Gosling goes, Dr. Slug? <laughs> I love that. And it's so like, we got a Dr. I, Slug reference. Yeah. <laughs> it's all implied under her breath, too. So That's Honker's about to have a nervous breakdown. But Goslin tells him, you know, snap out of it. You know, go get everyone to safety. Go get Darkwing. You know, hurry up. And uh, Negaduck has a great line. You know, tell them the crime the likes which the city has never seen is coming with me. It's great. Yeah. But then, I love how this is set up. Negaduck's checking his watch. And he goes, all the world's a stage and all the people merely morons. And that's a sharply appropriate segue for... Yeah. That's just show... in Justice, Justice Ducks. <laughs> yeah, so Darkwing shows up, of course. And right behind Darkwing, Negaduck is spitting on his hands. Yeah, I love that. That's and Darkwing's great. entrance line is, I am the scissors cutting the ribbon on a new age of peace and prosperity. I am... And then what happens? <laughs> Negaduck takes a giant hammer and smashes him and says, as slow on the uptake as usual. <laughs> and we get a great flattened Darkwing drawing. <laughs> like with a flattened beak and like yeah. crisscross eyes. It's really funny. <laughs> so what does Negaduck do next? <laughs> I love this gag too. So then he puts on <laughs> some rubber gloves and has a ginormous bobby pin. <laughs> I love it. I mean, from the same place you can buy a giant alarm clock or a giant <laughs> vacuum cleaner, right? Yep. And he uses it, he puts it inside of Megavolt's chest plug or socket. Megavolt actually reminds the readers to not try to sit home. As corny, and I'm guessing as necessary as it is to say that, it's still something the show did multiple times. Yeah. So after Negaduck sticks the bobby pin in Megavolt's chest plate, causes a huge electrical charge. So yeah. Darkwing comes in, kicks Negaduck in the face, and then gets right in his face and, you know, basically, you know, speeches to him how he's not going to get away with this. This is where, okay, so Negaduck's next line is where playing around with his voice in my head totally pays off. Like, he says, oh, I won't be alone, Derpwing. Do you know what happens when this facility registers any kind of attack? So the next part, this is how I currently hear it. An attack like, oh, I don't know. The massive electrical one I just set off. Totally. <laughs> that See, I used to hear it in a typical Negaduck angry voice, but now I hear that mocking voice he used in Justice yep. Ducks. Yeah. Exactly. And it's Oops, that's not it. <laughs> Oops. So, <laughs> you know what? Negaduck works when he's also funny. Yeah. If you play him too serious, like they did in Boom a lot of the time, 
and how a lot of fans want him to be portrayed, he loses the humor. Negaduck can be very funny if written right. Um, so Negaduck says uh, the jail goes into lockdown, so every door closes and locks. And then he goes, and then it's time to press the button. So right there, it's a Justice Ducks reference. Yep. So I'm going to let you do the honors. He clicks a button. All the jail cells open up. And Darkwing's entire rogues gallery piles out. <laughs> Name them all. All right. On the left, I think, top left, I think it's a member of the cheese gang. <laughs> it, I don't and know who else it would be. Everyone's favorite. And um, then you got Moliarty, Tusker Nini, who looks weird without his hat. Hot shot without fly girl. Um, one shot. <laughs> Hot shot and one shot. Yeah, right next to each other. That's his new partner, maybe. <laughs> um, Bianca Beakley, uh, Suffrage or Constance. And then um, second level, you got Ammonia Pine, Lilliput, Camille, Hammerhead Hannigan, Bushroot, Dr. Fossil, and Jambalaya Jake. And then at the very bottom, you got Cement Head, the Beagle Boys, and Liquidator. Yay. <laughs> so this really illustrates, and I, I, liked, I like how inclusive Darkwing Duck was, how many female villains he had. And this isn't even all of them. Yeah, I mean, you got Bianca Beakley, you have Suffrage, you have Splatter Phoenix, you've got Camille Chameleon, you know Isis Vanderchill is here somewhere. We're not even mentioning, um, what's her face, um, Ample Grime. Yep. So Darkwing had a lot of female villains, and I, and I really give the show credit for doing that, and a lot of them were great. And there's also one I haven't mentioned who's probably his most popular female villain, who can't be here because they're saving her. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, she wait. hates the anti-intellectual neo-postmodern stuff. Oh, Flatter Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I always like debate if she's like one of my absolute favorites, but unfortunately you only see her twice in the show. So what I will say, I think when dark, they talk about female Darkwing villains, I think she comes up the most. Yeah. No one's going to say Ammonia Pine or Ample Grime are their favorite female Darkwing <laughs> villains. Well, the reason why I was confused right now was because I wasn't sure if you were including Morgana as a female villain. <laughs> Maybe if she only showed up that one time. Yeah. <laughs> or two. That's true. Al Ghoul of My Dreams does count, in, for the most part. Um, okay, so they're backing Darkwing against the wall. We get a few more villains, uh, which includes, we do see Ample Grime. We can tell because she has the, the dirty bowl on her head. Yeah. There's, Finny, <laughs> there's Phineas Sharp from In Like Blunt. And we do get, I believe his name was Mouth, uh, the Eddie Deason henchman from uh, Taurus Bulba's gang. And again, I can hear Negaduck once again. And now, Dreckwing, we're going to play a little game. Pretty much every criminal you've ever locked up is within these walls. You know, I hear it. I totally, totally. hear it. But then I hear his voice getting angrier, angrier as he tells Darkwing they're going to give him 30 minutes to burrow as deep into the facility as he can, and then they're all going to come looking for him. And then uh, Negaduck says, the clock's ticking, Deadwing. Run. And that's how we end. I will point out, one of the panels shows Goslin out of sight, but watching what's going on. And 
you can mention it, Tiffany. How is Negaduck setting the clock? What is he using? He's using Chrono Duck's head. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's a great use of that character. I mean, it's a character <laughs> Tad Stone's created, so he better show up. Yeah. Um, a couple more villains that we're getting to see for the first time, Tiff, including He's- who? You got Wolf Duck from the video game, and um, which is cool. <laughs> that is a cool reference. I mean, everyone loves that game, so yeah. that makes sense. There's then, some sort of bear or a dog behind Tusker Nini. Yeah, which we can't 100% identify. <laughs> I can't think of a single Darkwing villain who looks like that, except the one that popped into my head just now was Major Synapse, but he's dead. Oh, yeah. Like, he does kind of look like him. But he's dead, dead. Yeah. Like, he's dead. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's him. Dead head. <laughs> he is so dead. Um, he kind of looks like the bonkers antagonist, Grumbles Grizzly from Raw Tunage, but that's a stretch. So, you thought maybe Bruno the Bear, the bear but yeah. or even Lumpjaw from the Bongo, Bongo. thing. <laughs> the only thing we can do is find out from James Silvani one day who that's supposed to be. Yeah. Right? I think Major Synapse might be the best answer, but he's dead. Yeah. And so that's it. This issue's know, over. Because of like being in uh, the internet world, it's kind of hard to see Negaduck saying run and not hearing that song from the meme. <laughs> 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 Great drawing of him too, with his spiral yeah. red eyes and uh and uh, I see Jumbalaya Jake. I guess Gumbo went to the zoo. <laughs> he went I guess, to <laughs> I guess they can't incarcerate. Oh, they brought Gumbo back to the swamp and then they set him free. Yeah. They rehabilitated him at SeaWorld somewhere and then set him free in the bayou. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of this issue. Things are getting good. Um this story arc is really great. Um, this, the original issue, I'm reading this off the trade paperback. It ended with, um, basically a little, you know, some text by, uh, so was it Silvani, uh, talking about, oh no, yeah, Sparrow. Oh, it's actually, it's actually yeah. in the paperback talking about instead of the slow burn that boom did, they're throwing everything at us right away. They know what we want to see of the villains. So that's what they're doing. I really appreciate that, considering this poor comic lasted eight issues. Could you imagine if they slow burned this and then got canceled after two story arcs? (laughs) By doing it this way, every character we want to see, really except Quackerjack, has time to shine in some way. And I think that was very, very smart. Um, I love this issue. I really, really do. Um, and it would be irresponsible not to mention the cover for the first trade paperback has Darkwing and Goslin on the rat catcher surrounded by wanted posters of like, again, literally everybody, including Taurus Bulba and Dr. Slug. <laughs> nice. He is in there. I won't name everybody because it's really pointless. Name a villain. It's, it's there, including <laughs> Steelbeak and Banana Brain. But Dr. Slug is there, too. <laughs> um, Tiffany, what do you want to rate this one? 
Um, well, first I was going to say real quick that my issue, I have signed by Aaron Sparrow and James Silvani. <laughs> nice. My um, trade paperback is signed by James Silvani. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I would probably give this one a five. Me too. <laughs> and I feel like going forward, I feel like this is going to be the norm. Maybe not all fives, but expect nothing but positivity from us, from these. Art is great. I definitely see Silvani's style evolving. Darkwing and Launchpad especially look different from the Boom ones. Launchpad's trying trying to figure out what his goal is with Launchpad's new design. It looks like the DuckTales version is trying to get out. Um, but yeah. it's different. The designs, the colorization's a bit different now. Um, a lot more texturing to the hair and the clothing. Um, of course, Darkwing has the suit, the, uh, the, the button down shirt and the tie now, not the turtleneck, but that's not a big deal. If that's a deal breaker for you, you've got some problems. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's true. Um, I could imagine it would be for some people though. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, given this a solid five, it's really fantastic. I wish Boom had kept going. Um, but that said, do you have an episode we can mini review. Yeah, so trying to relate it <laughs> to the issue, I'm going to have to pick Jailbird. <laughs> okay. Which All right. I also was super jealous that I didn't get to review. Will didn't even do that one. <laughs> Will Owen, didn't? Owen got the honors on that. Will had a convention that weekend. This one we could talk a lot about, and we can't because we don't want to hit the hour mark on this one. <laughs> yeah. So just quick bullet points. Like, what do you love about this one? Or hate, depending on how you feel about it. I love it. I think the story is great. It was one of my favorites since I was a kid, and I still love it. I think a lot of the jokes are, are hilarious still. <laughs> they still make me chuckle, even as an adult. And... um I don't think the animation is, like, top tier, but there's nothing really wrong with it. No, that's true. I um, I love when Darkwing's um, trying out all the different supervillains. It's so good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were watching it recently with the girls, and um, Greg pointed something out, which I thought was funny. He said, why is he still wearing his turtleneck when he's demolishing duck? <laughs> he didn't think it through. <laughs> and I was like, I never noticed that he was wearing the turtleneck still. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always nice to see Liquidator in an in a episode. He had good dialogue in it. <laughs> oh, come on. I never thought of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and there is a couple of animation um, moments that are actually great. I mean, it's not great the whole way through, but... No, but name the ones you're interested in. Name the ones that you liked. Like where in the prison and they get in that fight and it's like you see all these specific things happening and like Quacker Jack's teeth like coming out of like the fight cloud. <laughs> right, that was... I remember pointing that out when we reviewed the episode. At least I'm pretty sure I did. That was cool. Darkwing yeah. has some great fight clouds. Yeah. And then when I like when um Mega Negaduck is first his you know, he has uses his um bushroot arm and has the vine sprout out and he slides down it 
and the perspective is really great. And as he goes by the camera, you see like the spark on the Megavolt plug go yes. off. <laughs> yes. And that following bit when he parts the ocean. Yep. And the background art of St. Canard in the distance is like definitive St. Canard. It's beautiful. You have the lights reflected in the water. The very darkwing duck, wispy, wispy clouds, like the very curvy clouds, the moon, and just mm -hmm. the stylization of the buildings. But you pair that with him parting the parting the water and that music cue they use. Yep. <laughs> it's it's the the mega negaduck stuff really makes up for a pro other problems I do have. I think there's like a lot of logic problems in the story. <laughs> I know I mentioned it on the podcast, but why is Darkwing doing this by himself? Why um, aren't the police looking for Neck Duck? Yeah. Why is there's he so one. mean? Why is he so mean to Launchpad? <laughs> yeah. Why <laughs> are the Fearsome Four the only villains in this prison? Why can't Bushru <laughs> and Liquidator yeah. just leave? If yeah. Megavolt still has his powers, why mm -hmm. isn't he zapping the guards and leaving? Even the girls said that too when they at the end when they have him in a net and they were like, "Can't Liquid Dater just get out?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and the episode spends so much time on Darkwing's other powers and all the prison stuff that when it finally comes time to fight Mega Negaduck, it's over in like twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah. That should have been a longer set piece, and then they rush through stopping the villains. In the net, and I get the whole idea is like Darkwing actually needs help sometimes, and I get they're trying to teach that lesson, but the ending is so clunky and so hard to believe all four villains can be stopped by a net. Yeah. But again, the Mega Negaduck stuff and all the Darkwing disguises are so good, it really cancels out, and the episode is totally watchable. The only thing that, like, actually bothered me about it and it bothered me when I was a kid too was that he takes their powers away and I wanted them to look like normal that would have been cool like if they if like liquidator went back to like bud flood and like but then they wouldn't want their powers back they'd be happy they were back to normal I don't know if bud flood would I think Bushroot definitely yeah, would have Bushroot would probably be happy <laughs> and if megavolt returned to normal he probably wouldn't be insane and then he wouldn't want to go back to that way yeah maybe so I, maybe someone thought of that like why would they want their powers back if it actually is giving them what they wanted especially Bushroot. so Thanks. i kind of get it um and i feel like turning them back to the way they used to be is too major a plot point that this episode probably couldn't have handled. Yeah, maybe it'd have to be like a two-parter. <laughs> and in terms of the actual animation, I really think this is a Han Ho Huang up episode, and I do appreciate how rubbery and goofball it is all the way through. Yeah. Like, they smoothed it over in season two, and they just lost a lot of that comic edge. But in this one, it's so corny and so goofy, and Darkwing is like, well, every, every time he gets hit, he wobbles like a bobblehead. It's so totally. well done. It's really good. It's like him inflating after swallowing the uh, the gas canister. <laughs> yeah. Like it's all. It's not Disney Japan. Could you imagine a Disney Japan doing Mega Negaduck? Yeah, the beef. <laughs> but um, I I think it's my favorite Han Ho Huang up episode by far, of all the ones they did. Um. So yeah, I like the episode. 
How many times has Darkwing been inflated like that? <laughs> like that? Like that specifically? I mean, this... not gas gun, but just inflated like a balloon. <laughs> this one, Toys R Us. Yep. He drank the he drank the water jug in Camp Bayou Love, but that was water. <laughs> Goslin and Honker did it, drinking all the Coca Cola. Oh yeah, maybe that's one that I was thinking. <laughs> you know, for a show as honestly, for a show as cartoony and childishly cartoony as Darkwing is, there's a lot less inflation gags that you would think. <laughs> that would that was more predominant in like Rescue Rangers and Ducktales. Darkwing, they can get away with more actual physical violence. I feel like when cartoons in the 60s and 70s couldn't do physical violence, they turned to that kind of comedy because <laughs> yeah. they couldn't do the physical. Darkwing can get smashed, sliced apart, and turned to ash. They don't yeah. need to do the really stupid Hanna-Barbera cartoon stuff to him. <laughs> but when they do it, there's always a funny gag to go along with it. Like the one from Toys R Us pays off a running gag. This one, you, you're waiting the whole series for someone to ricochet a gas canister back at him. <laughs> and when it does, it happens this way. And he's drawn so funny when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then Negaduck squeezes him, and then the gas comes out his ears. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. It with the mallet, that part, too, that drawing. Oh, his head's flattened. He's got the crooked yep. neck. Yeah. Um, okay, we got like three minutes before we hit the hour mark on this. Um, so, we are the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Facebook, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Podcast Radio Public. Wow, I did that pretty fast. <laughs> and watch us on YouTube. I'm going to toss it over to you, Tiff. You want to plug anything, or how can the fans find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Tiffany Silverbron and at Regurgitating Gertie and YouTube at Radio Act Tiffany and at CarneyTube. All right. I'm sure with the intro and outro, we will hit a, an hour. Um, <laughs> but this is a pretty important issue getting into the Joe Book stuff. So we'll talk about Orange is the New Purple Part 2 next week. More good stuff. Until then, everybody, stay dangerous. And if you don't listen, we will do you grievous bodily harm. <laughs> Bye. Have a good night.